0: take your Bible go to Ephesians 6 today praise the Lord God is so good to us I'm so grateful for the word of God that teaches us and walks us through line upon line precept upon precept principle upon principle and teaches us how to live life now I'm going to give a huge disclaimer I am not I am not an expert. On the subject that we will look at today, I am not. We're looking at the subject of biblical parenting. I'm not the expert. I fail. I am a sinner. I am a deeply flawed dad. At times, I'm inconsistent. Don't mean to be, but I am. At times I'm hasty in my punishment, don't mean to be, but I am. At times I am easily frustrated with my children, don't mean to be, but I am. So I come to the text today as a listener and a learner and someone who stands in desperate need of God's help. Because I realize apart from my relationship with Jesus and my relationship with my wife, I have no more important duty than to shepherd the hearts of our sons. I read a book a number of years ago that really profoundly impacted me and woke me up to some things when I was a young parent written by Ted Tripp, entitled Shepherding Your Child's Heart. I encourage every parent and even grandparent in the room to get a copy of that book and read it. Shepherding Your Child's Heart. It is chock full of biblical, sound, practical wisdom, godly advice. God has called us to shepherd the hearts of our children, and even our grandchildren. But how do you do that? Today we're talking about shepherding their hearts without losing your mind. I hear chuckles. Every parent and grandparent in this room understands what I mean by that. Ephesians 6 verse 4 And ye fathers, it also applies to mothers, by the way. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them, bring your children up in the nurture, in the admonition of the Lord. Someone said one time that a two-year-old is kind of like having a blender except you don't have a lid for it. Irma Bombeck, who was a humorist and a columnist, she said, when my kids become wild and unruly, I use a nice, safe playpen. And when they're finished, I climb out. Someone said, once you sign on to be a parent, 24-7 is the only shift they offer. You know your life has changed, one said, when going to the grocery store as a parent by yourself is in itself a vacation. Being a parent, one said, is like folding a fitted sheet. No one really knows how to do it. Someone said, I love cleaning up messes that I didn't make, so I became a mom, (laughs) right? Do not compare your dog problems to parenting, one said. Your dog cannot say your name 3,427 times in an hour. (laughs) Journalist David Frost said, having one child makes you a parent, having two children makes you a referee, (laughs) Cherish the day, they said, that you buy your minivan, because it'll be the last day it's ever clean. Right? <laughs> have you you ever found six-month-old Happy Meal fries still in, you know? And by the way, they look the very same as they did. <laughs> Isn't that true? All right. I'm not going to say I ever have been there, but anyway. <laughs> if, if you don't know, someone said, a parent said, if you don't know where your kids are in the house, this is for this generation, right? If you don't know where your kids are in the house, turn off the Wi-Fi and watch them slowly appear. <laughs> God is providential, one man said, and that he gives us 12 years to develop a love for our children Before he turns them into teenagers. (laughs) And some of you will be like, yep, I understand that right there. That's probably why Mark Twain once said, when a boy turns 13, put him in a barrel and feed him through a knot hole. And when that same boy turns 16, plug up the knot (laughs) hole. The Peace Corps... Years ago, I had a slogan that said, and if you're my age or older, you remember this, it said, it's the toughest job you'll ever love. Well, can I say, I don't know about the Peace Corps, <laughs> but I do know a little bit now for 18 years about parenting. And that truth absolutely applies to being a parent. Ted Tripp, in his excellent book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, said, listen carefully, Recognizing that God has called you to function as his agent, that defines your task as a parent. Our culture has reduced parenting to simply providing care. Parents often see their task in these narrow terms. The child must have food, provide clothing, provide a bed, and then maybe provide even some quality time, he said. But in sharp contrast to such a weak view of parenting, he said, God has called you and me to a more profound task than simply being a care provider. You shepherd your child on God's behalf, parents. The task God has given you is not one that can be conveniently scheduled It's a pervasive task, he said. Training and shepherding are going on whenever you are with your children and wherever you are. Whether you're walking, waking, talking, or resting, you must be involved in helping your child to understand life, God, himself, and his needs from a biblical perspective. And I say amen to all of that. So how in the world, parents, and even grandparents and guardians, how can we shepherd the heart of that child without you and I losing our minds in the process? First of all, I want to say that God here in the text tells us to provide the right environment. Provide the right environment in your home, in your family. Notice the words. Bring them up, parents. Bring them up, dad. Bring up your children. Not drive them up. Not pull them up. Not beat them up. Or push them up. Bring them up. The word nurture there. One writer said that it brings the idea, the connotation of providing a perfect environment. We would say, like a greenhouse. We have farmers sitting across this room, a greenhouse effect where you are providing in that greenhouse what we call a perfect environment for that plant that one day is going to be placed in the field but you're 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 growing it now you're you're you've you've planted it in in soil and you've provided the perfect example for that little seed to sprout and to produce and for that little plant that one day is going to be placed back in the ground in the full environment of the open air in the real world as we say but right now it's protected The right temperature, the right light, the right soil, the right water and moisture in the air and directly to everything has been protected and strictly governed to make sure that everything is just right for the success of that little plant. And, ladies and gentlemen, God's given you and I precious little plants. Precious big plants for some of us. And it's our job to provide the right kind of environment. Question for us What kind of environment is in your home? God says, I want you to provide an adverse, not an adversarial environment, but an advocating environment. He says, Don't provoke your kids to wrath. And we do that several ways, I'm afraid. Not an antagonistic environment, but an accepting environment. Not an angry environment, but a pleasant environment. Not a stressful environment at your house, but a peaceful environment. Not a critical environment, but a constructive, helpful environment. Not a guilt-driven environment at your house, but a grace-filled environment. Not a lenient, lax environment, no. But not the extreme of a harsh, legalistic environment either. You see, there's a true biblical balance that God has called every Christian parent in every Christian home by the help of the Holy Spirit to establish and thank God he will help us to establish that balance. Tripp said that the most powerful way to keep your children from being attracted by the offers from this wicked world is to make home an attractive place to be. Is your home attractive to your kids? Is it a safe place Emotionally? Is it a strong place spiritually? Is it a clean place? Is it a wholesome place? Is it a calm place? Or do your kids develop anxiety just by walking in the door? See, friends, and I'm talking to some who like me, when you were a child and a teenager and even a college student, there were times when you dreaded going home. I understand that. There were many times when I would whisper to Jesus in my conscience when we'd pull up in our driveway, Lord, I wish I had somewhere else to go tonight. I say that, and y'all know my heart, I say that not to shame my mom or stepdad in any way. That's just life. That's fact. I don't want that to be the case for my sons. God wants your home and my home to be a a safe haven, a greenhouse environment. And one of the ways that we shepherd their hearts to Jesus and toward the word and toward the gospel is by providing the right kind of environment. Listen to... Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Here the word provoke is used in the negative sense and literally means, here it is, parents, do not constantly nag your children. You see, parents, we cannot produce positive children in a negative environment. We cannot produce... Kind children in an unkind environment. We cannot produce patient children in an impatient environment. We cannot produce emotionally intelligent children in an emotionally toxic and emotionally immature environment. Dr. Randy Cox has said it so often. I've heard him say it a hundred times. We cannot produce what we are not. Mom and dad, listen carefully, please. We are not drill sergeants. We're parents. We are not to nag our children. We are not to drive our children like cattle. But we are to capture their heart and to lead them like sheep. We do that by establishing biblical boundaries. We do that through consistency. But we do that through intentionality. And we do that by providing the right environment. For our kids. Peter O'Brien said that Paul is ruling out excessively severe discipline, unreasonably harsh demands, abuse of authority, unfairness, constant nagging and condemnation, subjecting our children to humiliation and belittlement. You and I understand what he means by this. God says, stop provoking your kids to wrath by unrealistic expectations, by unbiblical restrictions, by extra biblical things placed in their life where we hold the institutional policy on the same level as divine, holy, written word. Let's recognize parents and even as ministries and as schools and colleges and other institutions that sometimes there are institutional policies that we follow just because they're institutional policies. And that's life. You can't get around it. But let's not hold that institutional policy on the same level as God's divine word. Our children see through that. And if we're not careful, it produces and can produce by their response an aversion to truth. God help us because we all, we, all we all have to before the Lord. We all have to before the Lord make sure that we as parents are walking in the Spirit as we set the parameters that God wants for our homes. I can't set the parameters for you. You can't set your parameters for me. But we all have to set those parameters. But we have to provide the right environment. But then he says quickly, "Now don't leave me. I'm I'm, the landing gear is out. We're fixing to land the plane now. All right." God says, "I want you to provide the right example. The right example." If I want my sons to love Jesus, then daddy has to love Jesus. If I want my sons to know how to treat their future wife one day, according to Scripture, then I have to model in front of them how to treat a wife. They will learn that. They will learn that by watching me how I treat Aaron. If I want them to learn how to biblically handle finances, then guess what I need to do? I need to biblically handle finances. If I want them to have self-control and patience and temperance, they need to see that in me. If I want them to be a diligent worker and a responsible man and adult one day, they need to see that modeled in my life. If I want them to be young men who are free from the chains of pornography and sexual sin and moral integrity then they must see that in their dad God help us ladies your children if you want your children to be godly it doesn't happen just by rubbing a lamp and genie Jesus pops out and you undoing 18 years of your past no 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 We must provide the right example. It's interesting, verse 2 in our text. Verse 2, admonishes the child to honor the parents. Honor thy father and mother. Can I tell you something? Just as God wants children to honor their parents, the Lord wants the parent to live an honorable life. You see, that task by the child is made More possible and much easier for the child when the parents live honorably. Do as I say, not as I do, has no place ever in a Christian home. Hypocrisy and inconsistency on the part of the parent. It closes the spirit of the child to the parent. It fosters distrust in other authority figures because that child is thinking, well, my mom and dad are hypocrites and inconsistent. My parents are fake on some level. So I guarantee you that authority figure is fake as well. And then that hypocrisy and inconsistency distorts ultimately that child's concept of God. Parents, let's be very, very careful to in establishing boundaries and institutional rules for our home that we don't violate the same boundaries that we establish for our children. Let's be careful not to violate God's established boundaries in the process. Now hear me very carefully today. Even with church attendance... All of us miss church from time to time, whether it be sickness or providential situations beyond our control. I realize that. But let's make sure that's the reason. Let's make sure it's not for convenience sake. You say, oh, CP, we're, we're in the midst of COVID. I can't believe you're admonishing and exhorting us about faithfulness to church attendance. Well, friend, it's in the Bible. It's in the book. And I say this not to be a smart aleck at all, but to simply say that as God gives you liberty and as you can safely assemble, then you assemble. But please hear me, dear friend. And I say this to everyone with a heart of love be careful that if you tell your kids, well, we're not going to church because of COVID. Be careful that you don't present an inconsistency in your life if church is the only place you don't go because of COVID. If you can go Black Friday shopping, don't use church or don't use COVID as an excuse to stay away from church. If you can go to work and restaurants and everywhere else you want to go. Be careful. That your decision not to attend God's local church. Don't you use COVID as a reason. Because your kids, they're not dumb. And they see it. Mom and Daddy and us can go everywhere else in this cotton-picking universe except church. Now, hear me carefully. We all must be careful. And we all have to follow the dictates of the Holy Spirit in our conscience. I'm simply saying... You do what Jesus leads you to do. But let's be careful that we're not inconsistent in our lives. If you understand what I mean by that, say amen. Amen. I've tried to be very delicate but very careful about what I just said. And then God said, you provide the right exhortation. He uses two words, nurture and admonition, in the text. Nurture has to do with education and training, admonition has to do with verbal rebuke or warning. That means talk. We speak, we teach, we exhort our children. Nurture of the Lord, the Lord's nurture, the Lord's admonition. This is the qualifier. Spiritual, biblical, God-focused, gospel-centric, word-saturated instruction. Deliberate, intentional, systematic, and consistent. Your child's chief biblical instructor should not be his Sunday school teacher. It should not be the youth pastor. It should not be his Christian school teacher. It should not be his coach. It should not be their pastor. A child's primary spiritual instructor is to be mom and dad. Amen. Good. And God help me, because I find it at times easier to try to pastor your children than I do pastoring mine at times. So you pray for me. And I'm praying for you. Because we're all in this together. And I close this morning reading the words of Scripture. And I can find no more profound admonition to parents than this from Deuteronomy 6. Hear my heart today. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy might. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. When thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, talk about the Lord. Talk about the Scripture. And from a genuine heart, let shepherd their hearts to the Lord. And all God's people said,